T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Home and home. If you had the ability to pick the meal... After winning the Masters, what would be your go-to meal? Absolutely love that question. And I love our Ask Reddit question as well here on a Nick Costos Thursday edition of Home and Home, the Radio.com Sports Original. I'm Ross Tucker. He is Jason Mertides. We are with you until 1030. A.M. Eastern Time, live on the Radio.com app, Radio.com slash home, or always available on demand as well. We'll continue our all 32 NFL team series in the AFC East with the New England Patriots. They might have something to talk about. Hashtag Tommy. The Giants might be interested in him now. The Titans have as good a chance as anybody. This is really heating up when it comes to Tom Brady. I I think it's going to be what dominates the first three weeks of March as we talk about it. But let's start with what starts tonight, Jason. And that is the NFL Combine, which is kind of hilarious because the NFL Combine started on Monday, but it actually starts tonight in terms of things we can watch other than interviews. So far, the players have done the medical testing. They've done interviews. Joe Burrow says he'll be a bangle. Tonight, though, is the first time they'll actually get on the field and do something. And for the first time, they're going to do it in prime time. So let's start with the first part, okay? The players, tonight it's tight ends, wide receivers, quarterback. Let's just start with this, Jason. You are a sports guy. Hockey's your favorite sport, but you're a sports guy. You've been in the industry for years. Do you give a shit about the combine workouts at all? Yeah, I love See, I actually like the combine, and here's why. Um, first and foremost, it, it's wide receivers, tight ends, and quarterbacks, which I enjoy watching them display their skills. But what it really is, Ross, is I haven't had the NFL now since the Super Bowl. I tried the XFL, and, and it tastes like a bad clam. Right. I got an argument with a guy on Twitter last night. I'm like, it's just not good enough. It's it's, you know, a Bobo brand of football. And what the combine does for me every year and the reason I like it is like I'm starting to crave NFL again a little bit, but I'm not ready to go full blown season just yet. But it's a signal that the NFL offseason program, which I actually like because I love the rhythm of it, 
combine league year starts with free agency. Your teams start to improve, start to hear some chatter. The Schefters and the Ian Rappaports and Jason Lackenford, they all come out of hibernation, right? So I get excited because it's a signal that the NFL offseason program is about to begin. So it starts, it does get my juices flowing. And I like to look, I love college football. We talked about it the other day. And I love to see, like, I want to see Joe Burrow. He's not going to throw, which I never understood. Like, dude, why even go if you're not going to throw a ball around? But anyway, uh, but I, I want to see who's got the big arm, who, who's got these intangibles sometimes that don't even matter for football. But I, I, like, the, I like the combine. I'll tune in. I'm not going to say I'm going to lock it in until, you know, stem to stern. But I'm definitely going to dip in and watch it for a good hour. Absolutely. It's a rite of passage. You were at the combine. Did you, did you have one of those goofy jerseys on with the number on it? Oh, no, 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 no. I wasn't a good enough prospect to be invited to the combine. I was bottom of the barrels. I don't know how many they invited that year, 250, 300. I was not invited. I did a pro day at Rutgers. Which, by the way, that's probably when you've hit a new low, when you can't get invited to the Combine, so you got to go to Rutgers for a pro day. Uh, Rutgers only had one guy that even got drafted. It happened to be Mike McMahon, the quarterback. Remember Mike McMahon? Played for the Eagles for a little bit, actually. Yeah, Yeah, Mike and I were the same year, so I went to Rutgers for their pro day because I was not invited to the Combine. A teammate of mine actually was, and he was a total freak show. And he like crushed the combine, was like second in every event. Uh, and everybody's like, who is this dude from Princeton? Shout out Dennis Norman, by the way. You know, there's two things I like about the combine. I like physical freaks. Okay, I think we all do somewhere deep down. Does it make that much of a difference in for how they are as a football player? Not necessarily. Remember that offensive tackle? from Maryland, Bruce Campbell, a few years ago that ran a four, six, eight at like three eighteen, And we're like, Oh my gosh. And like the Raiders took him in the fourth round, never played a snap of football in the NFL because, and I know this is going to shock you 40 yard dash time, not the most important aspect of playing offensive line, not (laughs) the most critical thing for that position. So I'll just say this. I like physical freaks and it's fun. Like tonight, right? I think we all want to see what Henry Ruggs runs in the 40. I mean, that's about as fast of a dude I've seen on a college football field ever. That kid from Alabama, the receiver. And by the way, based on uh, going on all these different radio.com insider hits across the country with all our affiliates, Jay, evidently, Every team will be drafting Henry Ruggs. Every team's like, we just need deep speed. We're gonna take, we're gonna take Ruggs. Everybody says that. Every team. Uh, there's only one of them. Good luck. Good luck getting that dude from Alabama. Uh, but so I'm, I'm curious about that. I will say this though. I, I don't get a lot out of the other workouts. You know, I, I really, if there's a guy that we think is gonna run a really fast time. I'm curious to watch some of the guys run their 40. The other stuff, though, I don't get a lot out of it. Frankly, what I like the most about it is probably just hearing formerly Mike Mayock, now Daniel Jeremiah, just talk about the prospects 
So I, it just helps me know more about them as we get closer to draft season. That's the other part. It, this is like a crash course in the guys that we're going to be talking about when we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. And look, when, when you're at the office water cooler, you want to go, oh, did you see uh, such and such quarterback, you know, great footwork, and you want to, you just want to sound educated. And, you, and it's a great way that if you didn't have a chance to watch, you know, Pac-12 football inside and out this season, that you can get a crash course on the guys that matter from the Pac-12. Um, remember last year, DJ Metcalf, you talk about like physical specimens. You saw him and you're like, oh my God, like, look at this dude. Like, well, how is he even built like that at that age? You're right. It's freak show talent that I love to see as well. Now that doesn't mean that they're going to be great football players just because you just have this athletic ability and prowess and physical stature, but it is pretty sick. Like I love watching those guys, you know, a guy that runs a, a four, three or a sub four, four forty, just like. You've got to be kidding me. It's like you got a jetpack on your ass. And I love watching that. So, and, and the big word this year, Ross, from everybody around the NFL coming out of the combine and all the, uh, uh, all the availabilities from general managers and coaches is, is the big word this year is speed. Everybody wants speed. So if you go to the, the combine and you run a great 40, then all of a sudden you're going to see guys shoot up the draft board this week. You're going to see a lot of that just based on speed. Yep, it, it makes a big difference. And listen, yep. we are in a copycat league. You hear that all the time, Jay. And look who won the Super Bowl, the Chiefs, with Tyreek Hills, the fastest football player I've ever seen in my life. McCole Hardman is fast, fast. Sammy Watkins can run. Demarcus Robinson can run. I mean, they're like a four-by-100 team. And by the way... If you look at the next-gen stats for average speed of ball carriers, so they looked at the whole year, and you know how they can tell you the guy went 21 miles an hour or 18 miles an hour when they had the ball now? Jay, you know how they have that, right? Yeah. The two fastest teams over the course of the entire season were with the ball in their hands were the Chiefs and the Niners. All those Niners receivers – I mean, I'm sorry, all those Niners running backs, Mostert and Breida and Coleman, they look like they're shot out of cannons mm -hmm. when they get the ball. Debo Samuel, uh, Marquise Goodwin, I mean, speed kills, man, and those teams proved it that made the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, if you got speed, and when you see both teams in the Super Bowl, and I love the next-gen stats, by the way. I remember when Deshaun Jackson came in in the first game. He ran 23.2 miles per hour on that 62-yard reception, whatever. Um, but when the two teams that are in the Super Bowl are the fastest two teams, you're right. It's a copycat league. Everybody is going to go, well, if we don't have speed at those three, those key positions like running back and receiver and probably D-back because you got to cover these receivers, then we're dead. And so speed is what everybody is going to determine now kills. But it's weird because just because you're fast doesn't mean you're going to be a good player. There's a lot of guys that are really fast but have no idea how to cover or no idea how to run a route or no idea how to run with the football. But if you don't have speed, and like it was crazy how often you heard, and I was reading a ton about the, the availabilities the last couple of days down at the Combine from GMs and coaches and how often every single one of them mentioned speed. So these guys, I can't wait to see who runs a time that they weren't expecting and then, then 
how that correlates to the mock drafts where they go from tw- getting drafted 24th in the NFL to all of a sudden now being a top eight pick. Because it's going to happen. That's what's going to happen this week. It, the amount of money that's going to change for some guys because of where they're drafted based on how they run this week is insane. And that's that's why I'll be watching tonight. And that's why I'll be watching the combine. I love it. You know, our poll question today is our Ask Reddit question. And we're going to get to that later on in the show. But I almost feel like another poll question could have or should have been, Jason, are you going to watch the combine tonight? Because before, when it was during the day, I feel like a lot of people would just kind of put it on their TV screen and their home office or whatever, right? Certainly people in the media like you and I, we would have it on. But now since it's tonight, you're going against college hoops. You're going against NBA, NHL. So I understand that the NFL wanted the combine to be primetime because people work during the day. So they want to get better ratings. They want to get more eyeballs. But I guess I wonder if it backfires. I'll be very curious to see how many people choose watching guys do drills in T-shirt and underwear versus actually watching, like, important college basketball and, to some extent, NBA games. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess I'm a football head, so I'll probably have it on the combine. But will you? Like, do you think most people – what do you think most people do? Millennials, chime in on our private Slack channel, by the way. we got a private Slack channel. we got an army of millennials that help us with the show – I'm genuinely curious, would they rather watch NBA or college basketball like late season important or would they rather watch the combine? Yeah, I'd rather I'm going combine first because this is the opportunity to get educated about a lot of college players that you didn't you couldn't, you know, invest the time in to really get to know. Look, Ross, if if there was an XFL playoff game tonight against the combine. I would watch the combine because it's going to be the the guys that are in the NFL. It's way more intriguing to me than watching the XFL. And look, the NBA, we're getting down to the final quarter of their season. I get it. But I have a little bit of I'm missing the NFL already. It's only been, what, three and a half weeks since the Super Bowl. But I'm already starting to to miss the NFL and this is the signal that the NFL offseason program is ready to begin. So it kind of moves to the top top of the list. Now, I won't watch it all night. And if my favorite team was playing tonight, I'd watch a little bit of the combine and I'd kind of balance back and forth. Or I'd even go dual screens tonight. You know, get one streaming and then the other one on the main TV. But I definitely, combine is a part of tonight, this evening. And I'm happy. I don't have a Flyers game I have to work tonight. So I'm going to hunker down, and I'm going to put it on the TV. My wife's going to go, what the hell are you watching? And I'm going to say, I'm watching the Combine. Zip it. (laughs) You know what? I I am curious to see what the ratings are. I'm guessing the ratings will still be better because it's at night as opposed to during the day when so many people are working. But I'll be curious to see how much better and very anxious to see how the NFL Combine stacks up ratings-wise to some marquee college basketball and NBA action tonight. Tonight is, we mentioned earlier, 
quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. It's thought to be maybe the best wide receiver class ever. All kinds of speed. I talked to my buddy Greg Cosell uh, for tomorrow's Ross Tucker football podcast available here on the radio.com app. And he thinks Jerry Judy from Alabama is by far the number one wide receiver. I asked him that. Some other people have CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma, not Cosell. He loves Jerry Judy. And Jerry Judy has a very interesting nickname as well as something unique that he wears around his neck. He wears the Star of David, the Jewish necklace around his neck. And he was asked at the Combine why that's the case. Oh, so so my last name, Judy. People sometimes call me short for Jew, like one Jew. So I just got a Jewish star. So yeah, I'm not Jewish, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I get okay, I like so here's I'm question. not Jewish, though. Here's question. So you and I were both laughing at that, okay? Neither one of us is Jewish. Um, I think it's funny, but... I'm not Jewish. You know what I mean? Like, to me, it's funny that a guy that's not Jewish would wear the Star of David around his neck because people call him as a nickname Jew. And so he wears that. Like, that's funny. I mean, I, I, I think that that is, in my mind, objectively funny. But I did see at least one guy on Twitter... Um, at least one uh, Jewish guy on Twitter that took offense to it didn't like it. It is an interesting choice, right? Like to wear the Star of David and what that signifies and what that means because it's a nickname. I don't know. Like, I, let, let me put it this way I think it's funny, especially because he went out of his way to say, I'm not Jewish, though. Yeah. But, but, I don't think it's my position to say you shouldn't be offended. And if a Jewish person was kind of offended, I guess I would understand. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, you tell me. We've got some of our millennials are Jewish, so we'll get one of them to hop on and see whether or not they're offended. I, I've seen, you know, guys like Jeff Schwartz, who played in the NFL for a long time, offensive lineman who is Jewish who wasn't offended at all. Uh, but evidently there was at least one guy on Twitter that Jeff Schwartz pointed out that was. Breaking news. Somebody on Twitter was offended? I'm, I'm stunned. In this day and age, somebody got offended by something? <laughs> it's I, Look, I, you're right. It's not my position because I'm not Jewish, so I don't know if that's offensive to Jewish people. So that's that's going to have to be somebody who's of the Jewish faith called to determine whether that is offensive or not for a non-Jewish guy to wear it and just wear it because his nickname is Jew. Um, but look, people in this world, they get offended by everything. They're offended by, I mean, you can't even call it a manhole cover in California anymore. They have to call it a maintenance cover because it's sexist or whatever. Like that's the world we live in. But like it was a funny story and, and him going, but I'm not Jewish, though, is, is the funny part about it. Um, and it's pretty cerebral of him to go, hey, my nickname's Jew, so I'll wear the Star of David. So 
it kind of funny. But yeah, not my place to determine whether it's um whether it's offensive or not. The Jewish people will have to make that determination on their own. Look, I'm a Catholic, and if he was wearing and his middle name his name was Jesus, and they called him Jesus, and he wore a cross, I wouldn't be offended by it. That's just me, um, because that's his nickname. But I don't know. But the fact that somebody on Twitter got offended by it is like the least shocking thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Because Twitter's the worst place on the planet. It's the cesspool of of humanity. I will say this though. Our society is all about getting offended. You know what I'm offended by? I'm offended by how easily people get offended. Me too. Can you do that? Can I, can I be offended by how easily people get offended? Let's ask one of our producers, Joey Gelman, done an outstanding job on Home and Home throughout. He is Jewish in his mid-20s. Hello, Joey. Hello. Thank you for coming on your show that you produce every day. Um your initial reaction when you heard this Jerry Judy story? Well, first and foremost, I love how this is my debut on the show as the Jewish expert aficionado for the Combine. Hey, by the, the way, producer, Joey, you could have given yourself way, better hey, lighting. Yeah, and, 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 and Joey, it's, it's better than you being on here because you dropped 20 in a game in intramural. No big deal. Okay? <laughs> That's never happened. 20 a game intramural. No big deal. No big deal. The honest brag. Oh, that's awesome. No, I when when I first heard it, it's funny. Like, is it the best thing to do in the world to to wear that? I don't know. It may not be the most correct. Like, if I wore a cross, if my last name was Cross, but I think it's honestly hilarious and incredible. I mean, listen, we're trying to get any athlete we can to represent uh, all, all the Jewish non-athletes in the world. So when we lose guys like Bregman and Braun to cheating, we'll take Jerry Judy any day, and he probably can kick their ass in any game they play. So I, I'm not offended by it. I think it's incredible and pretty funny. If it was something seriously offensive, obviously we'd, it wouldn't be great, but he didn't mean anything by it. It's, it's a funny little nickname for him, and he's, he's living it out and, and having fun with it. All right, so so for people, listeners, viewers, whatever, that aren't as familiar, don't know, what exactly does the Star of David signify? Oh, now you're quizzing my Jewish education for 15 years. You have to know this. You don't know your own faith? I do know my own faith, but now on the spot, I am blanking on my own faith. <laughs> that, that's okay. Um, Wait, when you get on the so spot my- at the gates, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> that's being on the spot brother but, but but i will say this though joey you do know this part of it right which is that for the people that wear that they they are really like showing their faith and showing how much it means to them right like Absolutely. people that wear the star of david necklace their judaism it means a lot to them and it's near and dear to their heart, and they want people to know that. Absolutely, that's exactly what it's for. And, so do you? So do you wear? Do you wear it? I do what? not. I used to when I was younger, when I was at like Jewish day school and things, and and wore it. But I haven't worn it in a few in probably ten years. Right. So, but, but my point is like, if you're someone that 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 symbol means a lot to you, and it's important to you, and you wear it because your faith means a great deal, I guess I'm not going to jump down somebody's throat 
if it bothers them that some football players wearing it just as like a nickname. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that makes sense if, if you view it in that lens, right? I guess I'm not viewing it in that lens. Um, I know it's important. It's important to me, but it wasn't coming off as offensive. He was genuinely using his nickname and found a, a necklace to match that. And he's not really disrespecting it. If he, if he was, it'd be a bigger issue. Yeah. It's the shield of David, by the way, that that's what it is. It's considered a shield. Yeah. Like to protect you to, so it's a protection. Like you wear it for protection. Yeah. It's not a shield in the literal sense. Now let me ask you this because, um, so He's wearing the Jewish star, but he's not Jewish. There was a guy that played in the NHL. His name was Miroslav Shatan, but his last name was spelled S-A-T-A-N, so it was Satan, right? So if he wore an upside-down cross because his, they, his nickname was Satan, would that be offensive? Huh. That's a tough one. Like if a, guy, if a player, a professional athlete— and his teammates called him Satan because his name was Satan, but it was spelled Satan. If he wore an upside-down cross as a necklace, would that be offensive? Would Christians be offended by that? I wouldn't as, as a Catholic. Yeah, I'm sure there would probably be some, but the background behind it, the nature behind it is of pure, I think, innocence with it. It's pretty funny. Ross, you, you uh, have any weird uh, things with your teammates? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Of some of the nicknames. Joe, you have a nickname? Do I have a nickname? I feel like your nickname should be... I feel like your nickname should be JG. It's sometimes JG. If I had to give you a nickname, you'd be JG. I like JG. I go with Gels. Gels works. For some reason in college, and I can't figure it out why, the nickname from my roommates for me became Jizzle, and I cannot figure out why. Giselle? And it's a rough one, I know. <laughs> oh, I uh, you can, can have fun with that, Ross. I can go a lot of different ways with that, but I'm not going to. It goes to right back to your story for uh, you and your sister. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> My Ross, what was your nickname? Great story. What's that? What was your nickname? Just like Tuck? Yeah, always Tuck. Well, I mean, so growing up, my family would call me Bam Bam sometimes because <laughs> I probably told the story before, but when I would, when they would put me, when my parents would put me in the high chair, I knew like Pavlov's dog. I knew that meant food was coming. So I was usually hungry and they put me in the chair, high chair, but there wasn't food there yet. I used to take both my fists and bang, 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 until they actually brought the food over. So they called me Bam Bam. My grandpa called me Rooster for some unknown reason. But uh, college, NFL, NFL for sure. Every team I went to, it was like immediately I was Tuck. Immediately I was Tuck. What about you, Jay? Uh, mine's always been Mert. Just my, la- my last name is a mess, Mertita, so it's just Mert and um, professionally, nobody calls me that. So, like, when I would be on the air and I get a we get a phone call from a, a listener and they would call me Mert, I always knew that person was from my personal life, and it always made me uncomfortable. <laughs> they didn't, yeah, I'm like, no. you didn't know what they're about to say. Well, they knew me too well. I was like, it's bullshit. You're not allowed to call me on the radio. You can call me off the air. 
you can't call me on the radio. I, that's a total bushly bullshit move. Yeah, they could make you real uncomfortable. Real it, uncomfortable. It, it made you like squirm. I'm like, dude, I know this guy. Like, I hang out with a guy, and then he call you on the radio, and you'd be like, oh shit, just make you feel weird. All right, so we got to several things we wanted to, but we didn't get did we? into the food. <laughs> did we? Did we? Did we? Did we, Richard? Did we? Um, <laughs> I don't even know what that's from, but that's a great line. I have no idea. Is that a movie? Is that a movie? Did we? Did we, though? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, so we got Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus coming up in 15 minutes, and we are going to dive into – their data, and from their perspective, what drills matter and what drills don't at the Combine. But before that, there's one other story from the Combine about what a guy is eating or at least had to eat to get to that point that we wanted to share and maybe even dive into that Tiger Woods conversation when we return. But first, five-hour energy. Yummy, yummy in my tummy. Anyone who travels frequently, like our guy Dave Briggs in Machu Picchu right now, knows how tiring it can be, especially probably if you're going up the steps at Machu Picchu. I doubt they have an elevator. Whether you're on business or on vacation, a five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. With zero sugar, four calories, and a convenient portable size, it's the perfect pick-me-up for busy, hardworking people. Now it comes in two great extra-strength tropical tastes, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They are delicious and can take you to a tropical on-the-go experience. Five-hour energy shot can help you stay alert and energized wherever you may be headed. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. So as we continue the combine conversation, before we talk with Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus in about 12 minutes, one of the things they're doing differently this year, Jason, is they want you to weigh in again because you typically weigh in like the day you get there, they do your height and weight, but then it's two days later that you're actually doing the on-field workouts. And so the NFL, the scouts are requesting, let's see how much he weighs when he's actually doing the athletic testing. And so this is the first time they're making that request but I guess a lot of agents are saying to their players, don't do it. 
don't do it because obviously those guys, in my, I'm guessing, they make sure they weigh more two days earlier, and then after that, they probably really tighten it up in terms of what they eat so that they're as lean and mean as possible for the agility testing. Plus, they probably don't like just the unknown of it, and they've never done it before. So I'll be curious to see, Jay, how many guys will weigh in again. Yeah, because some guys will go in and they'll take in as much water or fluid to weigh as much as they can. So they'll go, oh, he weighs 280, and then two days later, he actually weighs 265, and he ran a 4.4, right? And it'll be listed, though, he weighed 280 and ran a 4.4, which won't be the case because somehow they can pump you full of liquids or make you heavier, and then your body... And then what do they do as soon as they get off the scale? They start flushing and using things to flush their body so they're lighter so they can run faster. Um, so, yeah, I, if I'm them, if I'm the players, at some point, too, you got to go, like, enough of this, like, dog and pony show. Like, the, the combine, the one thing that I'm, that I'm disturbed about the combine is, like, Joe Burrow's going, but he's like, nah, I'm not going to throw. Well, that's like a pitcher going in for a workout to work out for a team and going, yeah, guys, I'm going to come in and work out for you, but I'm not going to throw. It's like, well, what are you doing here then? Are we just going to give you a couple quizzes? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, he's there. He's there for the medical testing, and he's there for the interviews with the teams. And the you shuttle know, run? You can't go higher than one, bro. It's like what we said the other day about a lifetime sentence. Like, you can't go higher than one. He's supposed yeah. to go one. I don't think I would do shit if I were him. I Why mean, did he show up? Well, because you are confident in your ability when you talk with the teams. And none of that stuff is really risking your health. Not that throwing is, but running a 40, jumping, I guess. You know, it's happened before where guys have gotten hurt. Sidney Jones, the Eagles corner, got hurt on his pro day. Tore his yeah. Achilles. So, at any rate, um, I do think that is interesting. Speaking of interesting, there's a D3 guy at the Combine, which almost never happens. His name is Ben Barch. He's an offensive lineman from St. John's University in Minnesota. He was a tight end. They moved him to offensive line, and he gained 65 pounds from 250 to 275, then 275 to 305. Now he's 315. And here's what he had, a smoothie for breakfast every day. Seven scrambled eggs a tub of cottage cheese, quick grits, peanut butter, a banana, Gatorade. He said, I'd gag sometimes, but that's what you have to do. I just kind of researched online for the most clean and healthy ingredients for putting on good mass. That summer, I went from 250 to 275, and after that, 275 to 305. All right. So to me, there's one glaring question out of what he said that I don't understand. Does anything jump out to you? Um, no. I mean, it's got to try to bulk up, and I I actually think that that shake sounds pretty good. 
Oh, uh, I don't know. You put the Gatorade in there. I, I don't know. Well, that's I, a know, weird mix, but, yeah. Banana, peanut butter, yeah. What I don't understand, what jumps out to me, why would you scramble the eggs? Why if you're scramble? putting if you're putting it into a blender, why are you why don't you have hard boiled eggs? What why are you putting it in why are you scrambling eggs and then putting them into a blender? I don't yeah. get it. It's all going to end up a big mess anyway. Right. Yeah, you right. Might, that's a good point. I, I, I don't I don't really understand that. So it's interesting. There's only a couple times I ever Jay really had to work at gaining weight. And really made it an emphasis. Mm-hmm. Like after my junior year of high school basketball was the first time I started doing protein shakes with like creatine. You know, okay. this is 1995, 96. Creatine was big. And I started getting letters from colleges. But I was very much a late bloomer. Six foot 170 in 10th grade, six three two ten maybe in 11th grade. But I started getting letters from colleges, and I knew I wanted to try to play college football, and I knew I'd be going on college visits in the spring and summer. So I started taking like weight gainer shakes, protein shakes, and then creatine. And I was 240, 245 by the summer doing that. And it didn't taste great. I remember distinctly being at parties and bringing my weight gainer shake. And people would be like, can I get a sip of that? They get, and they'd be like, oh, that's like gross. Cardboard. Be like, yeah. it, it, it was not great tasting, but you got to do what you got to do. Like it's, it, it's, it's part of, it was part of my process at least back then. Well, remember Tony Mandarich, the big enchilada? Yeah. Um, and he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was on a diet that he was eating 12,000 to, uh, tw- I think it was 12,000 to 15,000 calories a day. He was drinking these shakes that were 3,000 calories on their own. That's a lot of like Joe Waiter protein powder, right? Uh, and he just got, he was enormous. He was like 350 pounds. He was supposed to be this freak of nature. He ended up being a total bust, uh, but he was eating like insane amounts of food, like a pound of bacon and a dozen eggs for breakfast, which is nuts, right? Um, But it can't be good for your body to be gaining weight that quickly because you can't gain weight that quickly and make it muscle without gaining fat, right? Did you notice that when you tried to, when you put on that weight? What? That, That you're putting on weight, but it can't be you're putting on weight as muscle if you're putting in that many calories into your body, it has to first be fat. Well, I think it was a combination, obviously, mm-hmm. but I do think you can put weight on too quickly. Um, and I think I might've done that, you know, like <laughs> in hindsight, I don't know. Like I kind of wish I was only two thirty my senior year, whatever I was naturally, because I would have rather been more athletic to make more plays on defense. The only other time, but dude, you got to understand that time of year, like when I was in high school, I was growing so fast height with whatever. 
that like, like when I would go to Subway, I would get two footlongs, like with extra meat, double meat and bacon and eat them both. Even in the NFL, my wife and I were recently talking about this. First time I ever took her to Chipotle was when I was playing for the Cowboys and I got two burritos. Two Chipotle burritos is no joke, bro. Because I put a lot of stuff in those. That is that is no joke. That's like straight 3,000, 4,000 calories at one sitting. Because those things like are 1,500 calories. Yeah. yeah. They're heavy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, so you still eat I didn't like really, that? No. So my issue is on the weekends, I don't eat as healthy as I should and sometimes portion control. But during the week, I actually eat pretty healthy. I'm trying to keep my weight under 250. I'm really big into joint preservation. So like, I don't do anything where I impact the ground. All I do is lift light weights or yoga or like elliptical stepper because I really messed up my joints. I know that you know, from age five to age 28. So I'm trying to keep these things and have them last as long as possible so I can delay a knee replacement or delay things like that. So I don't do anything really that puts further wear and tear on my joints, but I still should be even tighter with my diet. I'm, and drinking hurts too, like having beers. <laughs> that hurts because the IPAs, Number one, the IPAs are a bunch of calories. Number two, the IPAs lead to late night eating, right? Like they, they, they lead to like, okay, I've had a couple IPAs. Now I want to have these chocolate covered pretzels or now I want to have this I, I, something. It leads to bad choices. Well, if you're hungover too, then you're, you're, you're craving grease and garbage and cheese. So do you get hungover when you drink the IPAs? I don't usually drink that many. You yeah, know what I mean? I could like drink one and I'd be hungover. Yeah. Now I got a pretty I'm pretty good in that regard. So not really, not really that far. Um, which leads us to another question. Speaking of food, Tiger Woods went out and he has said what his menu will be for the Masters. This is an annual tradition. Do you know what it is, Jason, when they actually say what the meal is that they're going to have? Like, when the meal is eaten? It's earlier that week. Um, I think it's the Wednesday night after the Par 3 Challenge. And usually they don't announce the meal until the day before. So, like, the Tuesday before the Masters starts on Thursday. Um, but Tiger let the cat out of the bag early. And he's uh, – I'm totally down with his meal. I think it looks great. How about this? Steak and chicken fajitas, sushi, sashimi on the and sashimi on the deck. I'm not sure what sashimi is, but I know what sushi is. Uh, so I, that sounds like a good meal. And he's debating on whether to go back to the milkshake as the dessert because he had the milkshake back in 1998. So that's the big decision still looming. So later on in the show, you and I are going to figure out what our meals would be. I would just say, I kind of like Tiger's meal. That's a pretty that darn nice good job. meal right there. Yeah. yeah. I would eat Did the nice crap job. out of that. And Tiger definitely go milkshakes for dessert. I love milkshakes. It's weird. 
with milkshakes that they put like three scoops in, but it doesn't feel like you're having three scoops worth of ice cream. And I feel like I could have five milkshakes. No hesitation. In fact, when I go out with my daughters and wife, I'll get four milkshakes knowing fully well those three are not going to finish theirs. So yeah. I get one for me, a half of my one daughter's, a little bit of my other daughter's, at least a half of my wife. She never drinks more than a half. So anyway, we'll get to that later. Right now, we got my guy Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus. He does an unbelievable job on the analytics stuff, physical testing, fantasy. He was a great addition that Pro Football Focus picked up fairly recently. Kev, it's Ross Tucker, Jason Mertides here on Home and Home at Radio.com Sports Original. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, th thanks for having me. Uh, a big fan of you guys, so it's, uh, it's good to be on the show. All right, so let's start with this, okay? Before we get into the specific drills or anything like that, I know Pro Football Focus, and I know you guys are all about grading the plays that happen on the field and how productive these guys are. So it begs the question, how much stock, if any, do you guys put into the physical testing that begins tonight? Yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting question, and it's something that I tried to dig in with some recent uh, analysis that I put into it. You know, we have, like you mentioned, we have the grading. We have some grade-based metrics now where we look at wins above replacement and things that are going to really give you a concrete number for value. So I looked at comparing those to draft position, how much those correlate with different physical testing. And, I mean, I think generally the, the takeaway is that the, the stock of the draft stock, draft position is going to move a lot more on these things than value is. But it's still important, and especially for some positions, how – how players test. So we're not going to ignore it, but we're not going to read too much into it either. Kevin, when you look at, you know, guys with great combine performances that shoot up the draft board, how often you guys look at all this stuff. I love it. How often does that translate to more games played in year one or first three years in the NFL or guys potential to reach pro bowls or have more success right out of the gate in your estimation? I mean, you know, draft position means you're going to get more playing time. I think there's no doubt about that. Um, but it, it really depends on, you know, what what position that we're talking about. I think for certain ones, we've seen guys skyrocket up. In particular, on offense, we're talking about wide receivers who have skyrocketed up. And quite often, those have been some of the bigger disappointments that we've seen. I mean, since 2014, when you had that great class with – uh, you know, with Beckham and everyone in, in that class. Beyond that, there have been a lot of misses early in the in the first round, and there have been a lot of guys who have tested well who have been some of the biggest misses. So I think that's that's really the, the issue there. Is they're they're going to have the playing time, but are they going to be able to perform when they go out there? And what, what what we find is guys who are not really don't really have that that strong background of production are going to take longer to perform, and that they may be bust when they come to the next level. Yeah. So you said it. Kevin, I want to get back to that a little bit on uh, wins above replacement a little bit, but specifically for positions or maybe just in general, what are the drills that you guys have found in your data mining that are the most relevant, whether it's for specific positions or just in general to a player's successful or not successful career? 
Yeah, I mean, the 40-yard the dash is the big drill where we're talking about when someone is going to be drafted. But when we're looking at our, our war metric, it really depends. I think the 40-yard dash is important, but not nearly as important for particular positions. Uh, like the running back, we see things like agility and the three-cone time being a lot more important than what ends up coming through in the draft. Um, and, and, you know, we also see generally for, for certain positions like a defensive interior and others that uh, things like just simple things like weight and size, those guys just end up having a lot better chance. And you don't want to look for outliers. I think that's also part of it is that when certain guys test or they measure poorly, um, you can always find an outlier, like let's say an Aaron Donald on the, on the interior that you can point to and say, well, it doesn't matter because of Donald. But when you look at a much larger sample of players, you can say, hey, th these are things that you need to, to to worry about if you're not hitting these these measurements. So, uh, but I think the biggest the biggest takeaway and the, the biggest position where you, you really need to have an athleticism is a, is a must is at running back. But we find more on the agility drills, the shuttle, the three cone, then on the forty yard dash. Hey Kevin, what? When you look at the the players and and the guys that potentially can change their draft position the most, you mentioned wide receivers, D backs, and corners are another one of those areas based on how they run or some of the measurables or or, or the shuttle drills or whatever. But where's the the biggest cautionary tale, where guys go to the combine and impress, but it means the least when you actually get to playing the game of football at the NFL level. I mean, you hit it there. It's uh, it again, wide receivers and defensive backs. I mean, I think there's there's a situation where we believe those positions is most important for athleticism because we think about how a wide receiver can take the top off a defense, how a defensive back you could deploy them maybe uh, in, in you know in press coverage and not have to worry about them getting beaten over the top. So we think that that's that's what we're going to look for. And we're going to move them way up, but in reality, those positions are much more of a craft skill type of position, something that these guys have to hone over years. And it, you know, just having a great 40 time is not going to make up for technique. And, and, and that's what ends up happening a lot. So I would say that those are the, the main positions where you think they're extremely athletic positions, but in a lot of ways, when you compare them to running backs or even edge, def, edge rushers or interior defenders, those are more kind of like pure athletic positions. And the, the wide receivers and the defensive backs, uh, knowing coverage, knowing how to get open is really a skill based. We're talking with Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus. You can and should follow him on Twitter, at Kevin Cole PFF. He's a rebel. Every other Pro Football Focus guy is at PFF underscore their name. He went the other way. He wanted his name to get the branding first, and then PFF at the end. Kevin, are, are you surprised you still have a job being such a rebel and putting the PFF at the end of your name rather than at the start, which seems to be the preferred format for pro football focus employees. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I did think about that, but I, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe there is precedent, and we're talking about precedent all the way at the top. I believe uh, Chris Collinsworth is either Collinsworth PFF or something like that. Like, he doesn't have the same way, so I can always point to him. If you can point to the boss man, then I think you're okay. Got it. All right. So here's here's my question, though. Can you explain to me your new war metric um, that you guys have come out with? Can you explain to us or is it too complicated? It's probably going to go over my head, but try anyway. Yeah, no, I don't think it's too complicated, but I'll try to keep it, um, you know, not go into too many of the details. I mean, it's something that's been done in other sports, whether it's, uh, you know, in, in the major leagues or 
uh, even in the NBA, how they've tried to, to frame it. So we are looking at the grades. So what we have that a lot of statistics that you don't have is, you know, you have grades on every player on every play. So we can really look at all the different positions. And then within within those players, they do different things on the field. We, we have separate grades for you know, passing for quarterbacks, you know, for, for running backs, whether they're, they're pass blocking grade, they're rushing grade, they're receiving grade, all those different things. So we have all those different things. So what we have is the grades on a play-by-play -play basis. We have how much they're being used, and we have an idea by player of how valuable those things are historically. And then that's how we assign value to different players. So, for instance, one of the big things that you're going to see with our war metric, which is going to be different than how other people look at it is for someone like a running back, we're seeing that receiving production that they're doing, uh, like someone like a Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley, what they're able to do, we see that as being much more valuable than someone like uh, Derrick Henry, for instance, that that's coming through. So then we, we try to translate that all into a metric where we're going to run um, we're going to run simulations and figure out if this player wasn't there and you put in a player with a average kind of replacement level grade, what would the difference be? And then eventually we can roll that, that all up to figure out how many wins that player is worth. Okay. Uh, Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> you, you blew it right over my head, but great job. Um, the guys at Pro Football Focus, and you guys do awesome work. When you come down and, and you're starting to count down the days to the combine, um, how excited do you guys get? And, you know, the combine to me, me and Ross were talking about this earlier. It, it's this, it signifies the start of another NFL season in a lot of ways, even though the new league year doesn't start, I guess, for about two weeks. But the combine is the signal that another NFL season preparations are underway. You guys got to point to this at Pro Football Focus as being kind of your kickoff, if you will, to the 2020 season. Yeah, I mean, there, it really is exactly that. I and mean, I think we're lucky that we have some of the most in-depth draft, uh, draft coverage. We have a draft guide that we put out, you know, for the Senior Bowl at first for the players there. Now for everyone at the Combine, uh, Mike Renner, who you may have spoken with here, he's working year-round now as our draft analyst. So we've been collecting grades now at the college level for a, for a number of years. So we have the different metrics. We have all the numbers beyond what other people are going to be able to, to provide. And now with the combine, we're going to get even more confirmation of that and really be able to nail down, uh, you know, our recommendations going forward. And our board, you know, quite honestly, it, it differs a lot from, from others and how we look at positional value. So I think it's kind of an interesting, interesting time to get out there and to push back against some of the narratives you see and really get our message out there, starting with the combine. All right, so who are some guys, Kev, that you guys, maybe in particular quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, since they're working out tonight, that you yeah. guys at PFF are higher on than the consensus or draft Twitter or mock drafts, whatever you want to call it, and or lower than? Are there any guys that you guys are significantly higher or lower on than everybody else seems to be, in particular guys that might be performing tonight? Yeah, I mean, I think um, when we're looking at the the tight end position, we are going to have more of a focus on production than you may see with with some other people out there. And I think that's going to be that's going to be the big difference. Um, I mean, someone like like Harrison Bryant, we like a lot because of how much he's been able to to, to produce. And I think that's in a yards per route run. He has one of the best numbers that we've seen since we've been tracking college college numbers so he's someone who's going to come in there who may not be 
at, at the same level that uh, we're going to have him above who we're, we're going to see some others. And I think when it comes to quarterbacks in particular, I mean, it's it's not really to say that we're higher on someone like like Tua than than others. But I think we really place such a high value on that position that we would see a team like even the Washington Redskins, even though they drafted a quarterback last year, to really think about and look hard at, at a great prospect like that and think about that from a value perspective. And, we, and then vis-a-vis, you know, a Chase Young or someone else. So we're, we're really going to push quarterbacks up there. So I think for those top top guys, we really have those those two, Burrow and Tua separated, and probably going to have them much, you know, even in a higher value than you would think for the fact that they are the consensus one and two. You got to follow him on Twitter at Kevin Cole PFF just because he's a rebel. You know what I mean? Like everybody else falls in line, PFF underscore. Not Kevin. He's a rebel with a cause. And he has a statistic now which will tell you just how valuable each player is. Plus, some great stuff on the most important combine drills for both offensive and defensive players. Encourage you guys to check out Pro Football Focus always, in particular, at Kevin Cole PFF. Thanks, Kev. All right. Thanks so much, guys. All right. There he is, Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus. Really enjoyed that. But I'm also really looking forward, Jay, to our Ask Reddit question today because it is a good one. We'll dive into that. Then we've got the Patriots coming up at 945 and are all 32. And there is breaking news, kind of, when it comes to Tom Brady. Then we'll finish up the show with Nick Costos on a Costos Thursday. You have it is exactly the right place. It's home and home, the radio.com sports original. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. Home and home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.